If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. It's the shot versus day bike podcast episode number two. I got my dog. What's happening? When I first met him, his name was Brandon Fowler. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but over the years, he changed it to Day Soon, right? Yes, Day, day soon, soon. True. Day Soon. So, um, well, yeah. So I met him, Gross Point North, uh, suburban school, mm-hmm. mostly all white at the time. It kind of changed. It seemed yeah. like when I uh, went to a basketball game, it was a lot more black kids on the team. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I met him. Um, I came from a predominantly black, all black uh, school. Uh, I'm quite sure you came from Southeastern, right? Yes, sir. So, uh, number one, what was that like coming from a all black school and then transitioning to an all white school? Like basically, because it was like what thirty of us? Maybe? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> at first, um, I I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of persuaded uh, by my father um, because I played football, uh, and he told me that going to uh, Gross Point North yeah. um, would give me a better opportunity, I guess, to make it in football. Yeah. Um, so prior to going to Gross Point schools, um, the majority of white people I saw were all like on TV and stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and maybe like at some stores when I was out, but you know, not around and mingling with white people. Yeah, you know, yeah. just it was new to me. So I, you know, I was uneasy, but football was my dream. So I, you know, I, I took a chance on it. So yeah. it was a culture shock um, going from Southeastern to Gross Point North. Um, from just like the, the way that the class was, you know, the class was overpopulated at Southeastern. We didn't really have none of the. <laughs> yeah, you got like thirty five people. Yeah. <laughs> then Gross Point, you know, you got computers in classrooms. Yeah. It's clean. It's just a, it was a different environment. Um, yeah. So I adjusted really quick though. <laughs> Man, the one thing I realized though in the difference is because I went to Southeastern after I left. Okay. Because the reason why I left Gross Point was because I got kicked out. They found out that I moved back to the city. Yeah. So once I moved back to the city. They told me I could finish the year off because it was like April. So I finished the year off and I went to Southeastern. It was like the electives. You only, only electives you got in Detroit Public School was health, yeah. gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. When we was at Gross Point, I had TV production. Oh, yeah. I had advanced food. Yeah. Like it was so much to do there, man. Like the difference way, like your first day of school there was just like, how do you did you feel? Because my first day of school, I cried. Yeah, I went home and told my mom like I do not want to go back. Like you should, you had my first day at Gross Point. How did yeah, I feel? Like your first your first day when you walked in the door, man. Your um, first class. Uh, if, if I can remember, um, I guess I was a bit nervous, mm-hmm. um, but kind of like I came in differently, I guess, because I came in my sophomore year to yeah. Gross Point, mm-hmm. and I had already played two football games um, with Southeastern my sophomore year. Then I transferred and played for Gross Point North. So yeah. I was practicing and with the football team before I came so to you school. Got it. Yeah, so I was kind of like 
people knew me yeah, or it yeah. was kind of like you know yeah it made people help me to get used to being at that school so yeah. i guess i was nervous being new but playing football and people helped me ease yeah. into the situation because my thing is my first day man i'm thinking like you know freshman friday yeah. it was nothing like that so my first day i'm like yeah you know charles my brother yeah so everybody <laughs> yeah. was scared of him yeah, already because right. <laughs> my first year in the gross point school system i was in eighth grade actually so yeah. i went to a middle school called parcells uh-huh. uh charles you know, he had got shot the summer before he went to Gross Point. Mm-hmm. They were scared of him just off of that. Exactly. He was yeah. the first person. He got a war wound yeah. on his arm. <laughs> so I get to go to school like, yeah, you know, Charles Thompson, my brother. Exactly. Off rip, nobody messed with me or nothing like mm-hmm. that, man. So, yeah, so um, you say do the football. So um, coming up with football with Pal and stuff like that, who did you play with? Or uh, what age did you start playing football? Um, I played with the Eastside Falcons. Um, and I believe um, I started on the C team. Um, and I think that's around eight years old maybe um and at first i didn't want to play um my dad kind of like pushed me to play Uh, i was scared i didn't want the contact basically (laughs) um but he pushed me to play and i remember one practice um this is on the b team because the c team i really didn't play much but this Mm -hmm. is this this story is about being on the b team um i was sitting at practice of course i'm riding the bench so while the players are practicing i'm on the sideline joking and playing around and the coach i guess he's mad about how the guys are practicing on the field so he see me laughing and joking around so to punish me he tell me all right get in the get in (laughs) in practice and you run the ball so they call it play and i believe it was a pitch and he turned and pitched it to me and i scored i'm just so nervous (laughs) i to get hit but i mess around and score he was like, do it again. So they gave me the ball, and I got some good yardage again. Yeah. And from that moment, you know, I was like, oh, shit, I'll probably be good at this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I took it serious from that moment on. So I would say from B team on on, uh, football was my, my man, thing. Man, that's funny because my first experience with uh, – I tried to play football, man, mm-hmm. for the uh, East Side Colts. Yeah. Coach, well, uh, Coach Spank. So um, everybody was like, man, you fast. You should try to play football. I'm like, you know what? I, I can be like Deion Sanders yeah. or something. Double point, punt return, something like that. So uh, I I started off with the B team because I was like 11, 10. Mm-hmm. So um, practices going good, stuff like that. But as soon as they gave us them pads, yeah. it was like, what the? Let's separate the men from yeah. the boys right there. So uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. I caught a slant pass. And when I caught it, boom, just immediately got hit. <laughs> and I swear to God, the practice was over with. I took my helmet and what's name, gave it to him. Like, you know what? I'm not about to hurt myself. And I love basketball too much, yeah. dog. Yeah. So that was my short little stint playing football, man. Like, I couldn't take it. Yeah. Because that, that, he hit me so hard. I couldn't. I'm like, no, I'm good, It's man. Definitely, definitely a violent game. And yes. I, I was catching the bus to practice and stuff because I stayed, like, off by the Fago company. Mm-hmm. So I catch the bus. I'm like, man, here you go, dog. Yeah. My man, like, you quitting? I'm like, yes. Like, wow, I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm about to go hoop tomorrow. Exactly. Man. I'm yeah. like, I was at the YMCA the next day. Yeah. So, uh. You went to South Eastern for your freshman year. Mm-hmm. How did that go as far as like football and stuff? Um, well, my freshman year in Southeastern was my last year playing PAL. So I didn't play because I said I wasn't going to play JV. So yeah, I rather yeah. played my last year in PAL. Yeah, a lot of people do that. Uh, so, but when that sophomore year came around, like I said, I practiced and I played two games with Southeastern. Um, and that was cool. I remember um, the coach, though, uh, Tony Elliott. i never forget. I know who that is. Um, <laughs> he figured I was too small. Yeah. But I remember, like, the people tell, like, man, he's good, man. You know, he played for the Falcons. Right now he's good. You know, she gave him a shot or whatever. But he felt like I was, you know, wasn't the kind of running back that he wanted yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So um, I, I was splitting time with, with another guy. I forget who the other running back was, though. Mm-hmm. And after those two games, I left. Yeah. When I left, um, we ended up playing Finney again because he ended up having to go to coach at Finney. Okay. And I had one of my best games against him <laughs> 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 intentionally. Um 
So that was a cool moment to he was once my coach and then so I was like he didn't believe in me. Yeah, so you, uh, you and then I got a chance him. to play against yeah. him when I was at Gross Point. I mean, you was a, you was a monster at Gross Point, man. You yeah. was like the Barry Sanders of the school. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did you? Because I I left um, your junior year it was my last year. Mm -hmm. Did you graduate from uh, Gross Point? Yes, barely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say. I remember walking across the stage uh, and the guy who was handing my diploma. I didn't know who he was, yeah. but he shook my hand and say, uh, "Good job." Uh, I guess football wise, and he called me Butter because that's what he said. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Butter was your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They used to call me, and it was just interesting that like a lot of they would pass me through just because I played football, yeah. but it hurted me in the long run because yeah. my grades were too low to go to college and yeah. shit like that. So yeah, man, because man, and like I say, I think that's the only reason why I graduated was those first two years at Gross Point North. I I maintained like I think like a two point five, mm -hmm. and for for my mom that wasn't good enough. Yeah, because I was used to having National Honor Society three point fives and yeah. stuff like that. But I got there, it was just a challenge just because I'm not around the people I'm no normally being around. I'm not yeah. around the, the girls and stuff like that. And yeah. It kind of, you know, messed me up as far as, like, with everything. I'm like, I was just there just to play basketball, but the basketball coach was racist. Yeah, exactly. And now, as an adult now, I see that um, sending our kids to these suburban schools, all white schools, oftentimes are a detriment to us because, like you said, we're not around um, things that we're familiar with. Yeah. Um, the staff don't really know how to relate to us. It's exactly. it's really just like putting your child in, in an environment where it's going to be that much harder for them to succeed. And yeah, because there, man, I thought I was going to be at the Black Al Iverson. Yeah. <laughs> so my 10th grade, ninth grade year, I couldn't try out because I broke my wrist doing tryouts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried to fake it like I was okay, but my mom came up there and told the coach. So the second year, I made the team. But I kept getting suspended for like quarters for the dumbest things. Like, I remember I had my braids. Everybody know about the Allen Iverson braids. Mm -hmm. It's too hard to take out. Yeah. So I had like half of them out. The coach was like, well, I don't want that in my practice. You got to look good. Yeah. So then I had on some long socks. I don't want that. We got to be professionals yeah. and stuff. And then I did one little move. I don't want that Detroit ball in here. Yeah. So I remember one one game, he suspended me for like the first half. And I, got, I didn't get in the second half. I just took my jersey off and threw it on the court mm -hmm. and walked away. Yeah. And, but I should have told the you know the principal or somebody yeah. that but, this dude was racist. But oftentimes that didn't would really matter because I felt like the football coach was racist too. Mm -hmm. Just in the sense of like most coaches' job is to try to help you get into school. Mm -hmm. He didn't do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like he, he used me on the field, but when it was time for him to like, all right, I got to help you get into school too. Mm -hmm. He didn't care. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. But that's not a surprise. So, again, that's why I feel like sending our kids to these schools, thinking that we're giving them the best opportunity, sometimes yeah. we often fail in them. Because even if I feel if I would have stayed at Southeastern um, and would continue to progress and gotten better, that the coach would have tried to get me into school because yeah. that's what coaches do. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, he relates to me. Yeah. Uh, and he wants me to succeed and do well. But see, uh, and then on, on another note, like my son, we moved to Texas when he was going to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So his school was... No black people at all. Yeah. But so he was like, it might, it might have been like a good three or four black kids in the school. Mm -hmm. And then moving back to Michigan, we used to go to school in Livonia, which is kind of mixed. Mm -hmm. So his whole childhood coming up in the school system, he kind of seen black and white. Yeah. So I don't think with him, it'd be cool because he can go anywhere in the depth. Like he, his, one of his best friends are white, mm -hmm. one of his best friends are black. Yeah. I got a question too for you, man. Speaking yeah. of this. Yeah. So his friend, this is his is uh, a white dude. His name is Gage. Yeah. That's his best friend. But I noticed a couple months ago when I dropped him off. Now his mom is real cool, mm -hmm. but his stepdad had the Confederate flag symbol on his on his car emblem. Yeah. And I'm like, should I take, stop my son from going over there? I <laughs> like, would. Shit. 
But it's like like the mom and the son is cool, but the dad don't stay there. Yeah, but I know it's around. But I, th- I think though, if like if you with somebody who has views like that, nine times out of ten you have similar views too. How can you yeah. be with somebody and not share the same views? That's true. Some people are better at hiding it than yeah. others. Um, yeah. And then when I went over here, like you know how like um you you a token black kid. He's like, oh man, your son is is is, is so he a good he a good kid and this that and the third and he's not like the others and yeah like, like what the hell is the, what, what is the, that's why I said like what do that mean like yeah. oh no he's just a, a good kid he, he, he his manners are, are so good yeah you know like, just, what do you expect for him to come out here like oh he black he gonna be a wild animal man, it, it, that's what I said man it's just the the mentality not not all white people have this mentality mm-hmm. um, but majority of them do because yeah. you know we all were educated in this country and that's part of the education you know. Mm-hmm. To pit us against each other yeah. and to think that they're superior to us, and a lot of them hold those views. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I see. I, I, I but like... one thing I want to say about the Confederate flag is, when I see the Confederate flag and when I see the American flag, I feel exactly the same, <laughs> the same yeah. emotion. That's, that's true because it all represent the same thing. Man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it, 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 America is not for us really anyway. So no. we get into that stuff. But yeah, I, I like that my son can be able to. You know, be in both situations and be comfortable. Yeah. Cause like I said, we, me and you was both uncomfortable. Yeah. My son, he, our culture at all black school, he kicking it with them. He's good. You, you know what I think would have made me comfortable? Not necessarily having experience being around them, but having a, a knowledge of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing who I am uh, and what I'm capable of doing will make me comfortable in any room. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of times where we fail because mm-hmm. as parents and our parents, nine times out of ten. They didn't and still don't know who they are. Yeah. So that's why they send us to these places thinking um, that they're the answer. So I think it's, A, it's, it's, it's important to surround yourself um, with other people because you're going to have to um, be around them in the world. Oh, yeah, but it's, sure. it's most important to um, know who you are, your position, and your potential mm-hmm. um, and move off that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah man, that's true. That's true. That's true, man. So with the, uh, at Gross Point, you say you barely... Barely uh passed. What was your GPA when you I left think one point seven. Man. <laughs> and that's why I said, damn, you know, that hurt me, but they thinking like, you know, they doing me a favor. I remember yeah. I was a science class I had to take and to, to I think to pass my senior year. And I was bullcrapping in class, not really doing the work or whatever. So the, the teacher um, helped me out the class one day. Mm. He's like, Man, you know you're supposed to pass this class and be able to play. He said, Right now you got a D. Yeah. And I was like, damn. <laughs> he was like but I'm making you a C. Have a good game. Yeah. He gave me a C. I man. was like, cool. I wish I had that, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, but see, back then, you look at it like, all right, man. Yeah, but that's hurting me. Yeah, when you get older, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, oh, yeah, one, one, one thing, man. When, um, do you remember, now you remember the bench, right? Yeah. For those who don't know, at Gross Point North, we got this area called the bench. In between uh, classes, <laughs> we have seven minutes. Unlike Detroit Public School, you have five. Yeah. So in them seven minutes, we race into the bench because everybody chopping it up, yeah. talking and stuff. Do you remember this particular time? Remember uh, Demario? Okay. Do you remember Demario waited to get to the bench to fight that white dude, and he beat the hell out of that white boy, and wind up becoming like a race war almost? Nah. Yeah, he he waited to get to the bench just to sh- <laughs> just to show us he about to whoop this white boy ass. He whooped his ass, and Choo Choo wind up Charles wind up having to get, get into it because. He um all white boys tomorrow whooping uh Demario ass. Yeah, I remember Charles telling me the story not too long ago too. He got everybody, all his Balfour boys over there off of Meringue and yeah. stuff to come and help this dude. But he just realized once he did it, Demario didn't have it all upstairs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because they showing up for him and he didn't even show up. Yeah. And they had people outside, like outside the bushes waiting for this white boy. 
But then he's like, hold on, man, why am I helping this dude? Yeah. He's not even around. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it might be a little different story, but that's how it was. Like, he wound up realizing he helping him and he wasn't even around. But that's so, that's the says uh, thing about Charles, man. You know, he he always been a, a guy that looks out and try to help, yeah. man. And man, but. It, Charles is the one who changed me. When yeah. I first met him, I had some white and black Vin Bakers. Mm -hmm. and he was with Jordan and a green jeans with like a blue shirt. He's like, though, what are you doing? Like, cause my mom and his uh, dad got together. Yeah, he he, he changed my whole swag. I yeah. started wearing cool clothes, Nautica, Tommy Hill figure. Yeah. And we was at different schools, so whenever he take his clothes off, I'm rocking the boys next day. Same yeah, chain yeah, on. Yeah. Hey, then I got break. They got five dollars in the pocket. I got lunch right here. <laughs> yeah, I robbed you a couple times. Yeah, though. No, hey, that's what's Couple times. So um, after uh, leaving Gross Point North, um, did you attend college for football? Or uh, well, um, after leaving Gross Point North um, and trying to get into college to play football, a lot of the colleges was telling me that my GPA was too low, mm -hmm. um, and that I needed to go to a community college for a semester to prove that I can do college work and then transfer. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my plans. So I went to WC three, and within that time, you know, I didn't fall all the way out of love. Um, with football, but I kind of like you know lost. It was the passion. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um. So I went to school, and then two years later, I went to Kentucky State. So I said I'm about to try it again. Yeah. Uh. Maybe a year later, I said I'm gonna try it again. So I went out there, um. Didn't take it seriously. Wasn't conditioned. Yeah. Um. And that was my last chance or shot at trying to play football. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any uh any regrets about that? Like. Um, that you really went harder or do you even regret playing football? Period. No. Nah, well, I don't have any regrets because I look at um my life now. Um, and, and, and where it led me to. Mm -hmm. And I think if I had played football, where, where I, would I be where I'm at mentally that I am now? Um, and I don't know that I would be. Um, I miss, uh, I guess, the competitive nature, and that's, I guess, why I do other things. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that I miss, like, being on the field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like I got similar feelings when I perform because I haven't been on stages before and performed, yeah, yeah, yeah. too, and it's kind of like a similar rush. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't have any regrets, though, no. So you never thought about, like, coaching or going? Yeah, I think about coaching often, actually, um, mm -hmm. and wanting to um, help influence the kids. And I, I think that's why I'm pushing towards doing, like, a, a kid's boot camp mm -hmm. because um, – I don't know if I could fit on someone else's staff. Yeah. You know, I would like to try and see, but, yeah, I, but yeah. I feel like I would like to have some level of control about yeah, yeah, what's okay. going on. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of that, uh, that man coming up in the in the in the pal and playing football and stuff like that, and knowing how the the coaching culture is and stuff mm -hmm. like that, um, did you see the uh, whole thing with um, uh, what's my man name? Not Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. Okay. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch. Did yeah. you see the whole thing with him going off on that uh on that kid who was a white kid? Yeah. And then he told the mom like he kicked him out the drill, I guess, because he wasn't performing right. Wow. So he, and then he told the mom like, "Where's the father?" At? Yeah. And when I was you know saying getting to the story and stuff from my dog, um, I'm looking at it like he was telling the mom like, "I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to the man so I can say how I feel about the situation without disrespecting." Yeah. And you know, as a kid. When you in practices and stuff, if you ain't performing right, the coach get the fuck off the field. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Gonna call you all type of names, yeah. soft ass pussy, yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Get off the field. Yeah. How did you feel about um, that whole situation? Well, I, I kind of like was skimming through it, and even when he said, I saw the part when he said, "Is there a man with you?" And I didn't feel that he was saying that to say. I can't talk to you because you're a woman to express myself. Is there a man here who understands football, yeah, yeah, who yeah. understands coaching, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I can 
you, he and I can have a station where he understands he's just getting in my son's ass to help yeah. him play yeah. better. Opposed to the mom who's there who maybe doesn't understand football it's culture yeah, and, and understand getting in their son's ass because maybe yeah. she babies him and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So when I heard that probably, and then of course people are going to turn and here's this angry black man <laughs> talking to this white woman. Big dude. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to switch it as if, you know, he's being something and then what he's not. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he does what majority of coaches do, especially, you know, coaches in our community yeah. and how, you know, we, we, we address that football culture. That's yeah. part of it. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it's anything that but that's all, a lot of kids do. growing up with these single moms and they be in the whole sports system and just be soft yeah. as hell because I remember having an argument with a particular uh, lady and she was saying like how her son's supposed to play. Yeah. Because he's for the school, he made the team, so all twelve kids should play. Yeah. And I was telling her like, no. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I want to win just like the kid want to win. Yeah. So if I go out there and put all twelve out, we lose. You gonna bitch at me. Yeah. It's gonna be some parents that's gonna be unhappy. Yeah. So if you out there and you're not performing right, guess what? You're not gonna play. Yeah. But if I see you in practice busting your ass and stuff, I might give you two minutes just yeah. for that performance you did in practice. Yeah. But if you out there, I'm putting you out there. We lose the game. I'm not gonna keep my coaching job. Yeah. So how how do you feel like with the with with that like do should it still be tough love when it comes to coaching or should we kind of soften up a little bit? Well, I, I think it depends on the philosophy of the coach. Mm. Um, and when you say soften up, I guess you know the language. Um, because I, I say soften up just because we know a lot of these kids are growing up without fathers in the home. Yeah, but I think then it's needed because I think you know. Young boys who don't grow up with fathers in a the home, they need discipline. Mm. Uh, and I think we can change the way in which we discipline. Um, we can find more creative ways in which to discipline. Um, we don't always have to, to physically touch or physically abuse in order to get a point across. Yeah. Um, so we can reevaluate that and see what actually works. But discipline is needed. And I think that's what the problem is. Kids don't want the discipline. And the mothers, they don't want the discipline either. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, that's, I think that's what the, the problem is. Yeah, because Coach, I had a team. We started with 12, and I ended up with eight or nine. Yeah. Just because I had one dude didn't want to – we was running too much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We doing this too much. Yeah. I'm like, his grandma called me like, yeah, um, such and such wasn't so happy with practice. I'm like, happy about what? At the end of practice, he said, y'all was doing a lot of running. I said, yeah, we was because it was bullshitting the whole practice. Yeah. Like, You know what I'm saying? So I had to let him know, like, you're not about to come to my practice and then be – Thinking everything gonna be sweet, yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you bullshitting, yeah, that's gonna translate to the to the game. Exactly. So I think oftentimes people don't understand the life lessons that are in sports and what you're trying to get across and how mm-hmm. these lessons translate. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're gonna be lazy or lackluster, you can't expect to have your best performance. Yeah. So it has to be some consequences for that. Again, I think as long as the children aren't in danger mm. um i think parents need to let the coaches coach because that's why they give them to them they don't they don't have these same rights with the teachers yeah, that's misleading yeah. them yeah. <laughs> things of that and nature. Then another thing is they can be in the they can even like with my practice is open door as long as you ain't talk you ain't talking shit yeah so you can come in there and watch so actually watch and see what your kid is doing yeah see if your kid is giving 50 percent to 100 percent. yeah and you understand damn my son not playing because if i'm i got a 12 year old son mm-hmm. and if he's in practice or he's not performing right in the game I'm not about to go to the coach. Me and my son about to work on what exactly. he can do to get right to get more playing time. Exactly. That, that lets you know how many parents are actually involved yeah. opposed to wanting to just complain. Because I remember my little brother playing for King. He in the building. He, they used to get hit with a paddle. <laughs> they used to get beat down with a paddle, man. So And my mom never said nothing. And uh-huh. I remember one time, I guess he got his ass hit with the paddle for a dumb reason. Yeah. But his boy was like, no, just get hit with the shit so you can play. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. It was like, man, you got to have that tough love, man. 
And speaking of, I seen you on the, um another podcast with two young young women. Yeah. And then y'all was talking about like I guess like manhood growing up and stuff like yeah. that, and how we so used to, you know, what I'm saying having their fathers and around. Don't cry. Don't mm-hmm. do this. And um, I want to talk to you about that. Like, yeah. How do you feel like you got a daughter? Yes. I have a son. How do you feel raising your kids like, like to change the whole the whole stigma of being a tough parent and make sure like your kids don't grow up soft? Yeah. I think um, my thing is not making sure that my kid doesn't grow up soft. Again, I, I think it's about making sure that my child knows who they are. I think because once you do that, everything else falls in, in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when you lose track of who you are, you are susceptible to being all these other things. And I think that's where things where being soft comes into place. Yeah. So I think as a parent, my job is to first and foremost be the, a teacher to my child mm-hmm. and to teach them um, you know, all the things that they're capable of um, and to, you know, provide them with healthy foods and to exercise them and to work them out and to train them and to instill all these things that's going to build up their confidence and all those levels. That's my job as a parent. And not to say that I'm doing it so they won't be soft. I'm just trying to to give them the best opportunity um, to be a leader and survive in this world. Yeah, because I know growing up, you know, you already hear parents like, don't don't cry. Yeah. Boys don't cry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or toughen up. Or you can yeah. damn near break your leg off. Yeah. Hey, man, pick your goddamn leg up. And that's what, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the title of that episode that I was on was called Toxic Masculinity. Yeah. And, and the point that I was making on, on that show is that um, I come from a point of view that we as black people um, have been conditioned um, to be something else. Yeah. And we take on the thoughts in the ideas and the practices of someone else. Mm-hmm. And this hurts us. Um, so that's where this toxic masculinity comes from. That's where this culture comes from of not um, expressing ourselves or being afraid to cry or feeling like we have to use physical force to get a point across. Yeah. All these things that come from someone else. And that's what the show was about. Um, mm-hmm. Getting rid of someone else's idea of who we are and beginning to define for ourselves who yeah. we are. Because in a way... Like, um, the whole, like, discipline your son when it comes, well, you know, I don't have a daughter, so I can't really speak on that, yeah. but as being a man and then raising two young men right now, I feel like sometimes discipline is needed, but a lot of time it's not. Sometimes you can, I can have a conversation with my son, he can yeah. cry. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think discipline is needed all the time. Maybe physical force is what you yeah, mean. Yeah, like, yeah. you don't need to physically discipline them all the time. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. you know, you, you don't really have to, but. Sometimes it, it may be oh, needed. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. Sometimes yeah, you gotta tap that ass. <laughs> like oh, yeah. Because yeah. like I say, with my, with, I feel like a lot of times with my dad, uh, sometimes it was needed, but yeah. sometimes I felt like he was frustrated with his life. Exactly. And took exactly. that shit out and of I, me. I think that's where that 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 slave um, effect comes into place with feeling like you know powerless. Yeah. And since you can't really attack um, the one in which attacks you mm-hmm. um you take it on those uh lower than you in order to get that yeah, out because i'm laughing i'm thinking about my pops man he come home yeah and i'm thinking like maybe he ain't making enough money so yeah. he mad his boss will be like man I'm yeah. Beat your ass. yeah i mean and that's sad man <laughs> that, that, and that lets you know um where that we don't have any power to yeah. feel like you can't take your frustration out on the one that's kicking your ass yeah you got to come home yeah and kick somebody's ass just so you can get that release yeah. out i think that was like that's the whole i think that was the whole thing about my mom and, and pops why they broke up because he just it wasn't happy in life where yeah. he was at and stuff and i understand that coming up now because i'm not making the money maybe yeah. 
that I want to make, but yeah. I also know not to come home and bring that frustration home with my fiance or my two kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If I'm if I'm in a pissed off situation, I'll just be like, you know, let me beat to myself a little bit yeah. outside, chill on the porch or yeah. something like that. Instead of going ahead and my son like, hey, dad, you seen 2K? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. See, see that, that goes <laughs> into the whole idea of toxic masculinity and really looking at ourselves and figuring out where we have issues and mm -hmm. taking steps to address those issues, man. That's steps towards redefining who we are and, and not just accepting the idea of shit, this just how I am, you know what I mean? Like, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I take some um, things that, uh, you know what I'm saying, my dad uh, instilled in me, whatever, but I also flip and do my own thing. I know that's going to have my son come up the right way. Yeah. Because, like, right now, I haven't disciplined my son in the in whooping style yeah. <laughs> probably since he was six years old. Yeah, because you create the environment yeah. where you don't have to do that. Right anymore. now, like if I, if you, I, I'm I'm good enough that I could tell him something, he understand. <laughs> <laughs> he understand. Like, all right, let me not mess with dad, whatever, like that. Yeah, man. yeah. So, uh, we was talking about your uh your name. Yes, sir. So uh, when I knew you used the artist formerly known as Brandon Faulkner. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so you ch you changed it to uh they soon true. Yeah, they soon true. Uh, so what made you do that and. And like, what did you did you look back into some history or? Okay. Um, first off, what's the meaning of Day okay. Soon True? Uh, Day Soon True uh, means the people's son remains true. Mm -hmm. And for me, learning that, you know, I consider myself an African, mm -hmm. not an African-American, an African, because it ties me to a land um, and a history mm -hmm. um, bigger than myself. So in, in studying African history, learning that uh, names meant something mm -hmm. and... It either meant like who they wanted you to be, or maybe um, you know it had some type of meaning behind it. Yeah. And Brandon didn't mean anything. Yeah. I wanted a name um, that was to hold me accountable to stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I I can't even tell you how I created it, but to know that it means um, the people's son remains true. So mm -hmm. when I'm out, you know, to 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 conduct myself. Truthfully, to give what it is that I want to give, and it says the people's son. You know, the sun is a thing that creates life, and it 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 it, it creates warmth, or uh, it could be your son, like to the elders. It's like just to remind myself to be truthful and to always tell truth and speak my truth and try to impact people in a positive way. So that's why I create uh, They Soon True. That's, that's where the name came from. But it, what really inspired that is a, is a speech that I heard from Malcolm X um, in which he was on a, a, a talk show. It was like a white liberal talk show. And the guy was asking him, you know, what's his name? He said, Malcolm, Malcolm X. And the guy was kind of being like a real asshole. And he's like, well, what's your legal name? And he said basically that, you know, he didn't have to go to court to be named whatever y'all chose to name him. Yeah. Um, so he didn't legally change his name and saying that our names were something that denoted property to someone else. Mm. Um, like our last name um, pretty much symbolizes the people who owned us exactly. at one point yeah. in time. And so I, I wanted to, to again, talk to the point about redefining who I am. Mm. I wanted to, the first liberating thing for me was to create a name for myself that separated me from what, you know, I felt like I yeah. once was before okay. and to try to lead me to who I want to become. So how was that um, getting other people to not call you? Yeah. You know, cause I know, I know moms ain't yeah, calling yeah, you. Yeah, uh, moms ain't budging. Uh, <laughs> she called you Brandon yeah, still. Yeah. So how people, was it like in, in the neighborhood with your homies, your, yeah. your cousins, um, people like that? Yeah. For the most part, people like family members and people who I've been knowing for years, um, they will not call me day soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, I ain't been knowing y'all in there. But then... You know, new people that I've encountered since I changed my name only know me as Daysoon. Yeah. Um, 
So it's, 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 it's good, you mm -hmm. know, I think because the new people um, get to see the vision in which I'm trying to create and the people who've known me from the past begin to pay attention and understand why, mm -hmm. you know, it is I'm doing what I'm doing. So I feel like it's a win on both ends. I don't get offended um, if, you know, people call me because, you know, I understand, you know, yeah, that's yeah, who, yeah. what I was named. Yeah, because I didn't, um, you know. So uh, <clears throat> did you, um, did you have to like go anything so you didn't legally change no, I, I, didn't, I didn't legally change it no it's just you know how i introduced myself um and yeah all my social media everything is how i find me you know yeah. all my business cards and everything that, yeah, that's how i present they seem, seem like a uh a, a chill person but yeah Brandon's kind of wild boy oh, yeah 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 he, he definitely was man he definitely was like i was saying earlier that a lot of those memories i'm i didn't yeah. blacked out so it's like it's, you say um looking at a malcolm s stuff that made you change up did you want to change the name just to get rid of that Past, oh no, past no, ways of no, 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 because I, I don't look at it as uh, getting rid of my past ways. I, I think my life that I've lived helped in shaping me into the man I, I am today. I got I had a song I, I wrote. It's called "Becoming a Man," mm -hmm. and it talks about the different life experiences um, that I had um, that has helped me into becoming who I am today. A lot of things that I've done, I don't do anymore, mm -hmm. and I recognize how um, they weren't the best things for me, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of things that I've done, I, I strengthen uh, mm -hmm. and I still carry with me. Um, so again, I think um, every day I'm trying to be a better version of myself. Yeah. So I, I don't regret anything that I've ever done. Um, but there's things I learned from from mistakes that I've made. So, yeah. Okay. Now you, you you spoke about the music, man. When did you get with on music, man? Because <laughs> I I only knew you about about football yeah. and yeah and, and at the crazy. Yeah. And stuff. <laughs> when All did right. the music come into play, man? All right. So I guess uh, back in the day, uh, I, I I was a really shy young man, mm -hmm. and the thing that I would do to get girls, I would write them like love notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love notes and pass them. Mm -hmm. um, so fast forward, I think I was um, twenty, about twenty-seven. Mm -hmm. So probably about seven years ago. Okay. Um, I ran into a, a high school friend of mine uh, that we used to hang really, real tight in, in middle school. I should say middle school friend, yeah. and we just kicking at his crib, and uh, he just started making a beat while I was there. I said, "Oh, I didn't know you made beats." He said, yeah. "I used to make a beat since we was in middle school." Yeah. And I was like, why don't you send me a beat um, and let me write some spoken word to it or whatever. He's like, man, why don't you just try to rap? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. So he sent me a couple of beats uh, and I started trying to rap. And that wasn't seven years ago. That was three years ago. Okay. Um, and ever since then, I think I've created like maybe like 35 songs since. For real? Um, so you, uh, have you, have you put any projects out or you just put songs uh, out at yeah, time? Yeah, I just put stuff on SoundCloud. Um I, I never really, and I made a music video. I yeah. never really, I guess, marketed or took it seriously. Yeah, it was just kind of something. To yeah. See, see, I, what I think about me is like I always wanted to be a teacher and okay. teach. You know what I mean? So the music I did, I felt was like uh, for me to teach. So mm -hmm. you know, here's a platform where I can say it to a beat. But if you listen, you're probably gonna learn something. Okay. And so that's the reason why I started creating music. Now, how is that like trying to get people to actually listen to it and learn? Because it's hard to get. People attention, especially if you speaking some true yeah. stuff, man. You're not just selling what everybody else rapping about. You know yeah. how they on the block, how you doing this, yeah. really stuff that they're not doing. Yeah. See, I, I, right in this moment, it made me think about the phrase that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. So I think the thing would be not to stress about whether or not they listening to it or not. Yeah. I just provide it, and those who I think who want it, you mm -hmm. know, they're gonna take it and and, and gain something from it. Mm -hmm. And and again, those are the people who I want to build with, you know, yeah. because you know they took initiative and they took the effort. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what my thing. I was doing music. Um, I was doing music with my homeboy, yeah. and I found myself trying to rap 
what he was rapping. Yeah. And I have no clue yeah. about weight. You selling yeah. weight on yeah. the block. I never did that. Yeah. I was in the hood, but I was never like doing hood things. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know speak what I'm saying? your truth. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's crazy. Once he got locked up, that's when I started rapping about the stuff that I was going through. Yeah. And it was easier for me to write then. Exactly. Because I can... I can write three verses easy on yeah. the song, you know what I'm saying? But now two, because nobody want to hear three verses. Yeah, that's my but... homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's easier for me to write now because I'm writing about something that I'm actually going through. Yeah. I remember it's crazy. I I write a lot of my good stuff on the toilet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on the toilet, and it was one particular day, and I'm like, man, we broke, man. We got yeah. nothing in the refrigerator. And, man, we got stuff to eat, but we ain't got stuff that I want. Yeah. So I had wrote a whole song real quick just yeah. about that experience, man. Yeah. But it's crazy. So with the music, it's nothing that you're trying to like to uh, get a, a deal or no, anything like that. No, I, I don't really look at it like that. Again, I just look at trying to educate and influence um, mm -hmm. in as many ways in which I can. I, I think that's what, my clothing line, the music that I do. Um, every every aspect of my life revolves around me trying to deliver a message. Okay. So, and speaking yeah. of the clothing line, you got the Black Love is Power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now... Yeah, we know the meaning, but what's your meaning behind the whole yeah. thing? And how did you, you know, get started on it? Um, well, uh, I was part of an organization um, that fights for um, black self-determination globally. Mm -hmm. They have um, branches on the continent of Africa, um, in Europe, um, in the Bahamas, uh, and across the United States. Okay. And, you know, they're designed to, you know, lead towards black self-determination. Mm -hmm. um, and once I, I left that organization, I came back to Michigan, um, I was trying to find a way to still continue on that message that I believed in, that you know my people should be moving toward self-sufficiency and self-determination. Okay. Um, so I figured I wanted to be creative. How can I get people to have this discussion? And I, you know, our people, they like clothes. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, why not try to put something together? So I, I had different ideas about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to say. Mm. Um, and I thought about black power being essential, but how can I put it out there to make people comfortable with it? Because mm. to, to, sometimes people see black power and they get uncomfortable. Yeah. So people love love. <laughs> <laughs> so how can I incorporate the two and, okay. and have it mean um, what it is that I'm trying to say? And, and I came up with black love is power, which to me means that um, when black people begin to love themselves and mm -hmm. each other, um, that's going to bring about power because it's going to change the way in which we interact with each other. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to change the way in which our communities look like, the things that we strive to have in our communities. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to bring about that self-sufficiency and that self-determination that I think that black people need um, in order to solve all these problems that we are facing okay. um, away from each other. You okay. know what I mean? So black love is not like black love with... Oh my, my fiance, my wife, it's my all girl, that. it's all it's friends, all that. homies. Yeah, it's all that. It's family. not it's not just romantic love, and that's what I tell people all the time. It's like the love I have for you, mm -hmm. my brother right here, you mm -hmm. know, the love I have for your kids and mm -hmm. vice versa, man, because they have a responsibility to each other. And I think once we begin to have that kind of mentality, it's just gonna change, man. Yeah. You imagine if we felt that way about each other. Right now it's like you pass a nigga on the street, it's yeah. like whatever, just a yeah, nigga exactly. passing yeah, on the street. Yeah. But you know, for me I try to be conscious. I, I try to speak to people, I try to show I'm not a threat, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? To to try to again live um this message and to try to get more people 
um, on on board. Yeah, cause I I'm, I was talking to uh, my fiance about this man about the word love, and yeah. I was telling her like my mom she passed away in 2012, and I told her my regret was not telling her I love her enough. Yeah, now, like, I don't know, it just was something. I'm I'm kind of weird like that. I don't yeah. I don't know how to express myself too much or yeah. whatever like that without seeming like uh yeah you know, of course and stuff like that. So um I remember I was telling my fiance that. And I was telling her how much I respect her her mom. Yeah. Because her mom played a role in my son's life as far as like a grandmother that he don't have. Mm-hmm. So um, I was trying to take myself from, from being uncomfortable. And I had expressed myself to her mom in front of her family how much I appreciate and love her for, you know, looking out for my son and being like that grandmother figure that he doesn't have anymore. Yeah. So it's like with that, man, I think even Charlotte May was talking about on Breakfast Club, like, even dudes don't tell each other, oh, yeah, I love you, man, yeah. without seeming like, yeah. you got to put, I love you, nigga. Yeah. Like, I know my, my, my brother say, I love you, man, but I love you, nigga. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah man. You got to make it be tough at the yeah, same that time. Goes, that goes back to us emulating someone else's culture, man, because it's, it's nothing wrong with that shit, man. And then people say, oh, that's gay shit. You know, just, <laughs> it, 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 that shit, man, is destructive, man, and it keeps us divided. Yeah. Because, again, once we realize that love, is, it just doesn't mean romantic, man. Yeah. To me, love is an idea, and it's different from person to person. The way you may define love may be different than everybody else in this room. Mm. Shit. So, to me, we got to get out of that stigma, man, of just love somehow just thinking that it means romance with someone. Yeah, man. So, with with this uh with the clothing line and everything and with, with what are you trying to um achieve with this uh well i said my objective is to be like the hood nike mm-hmm. so if i can have people wearing my attire like they wear nike mm-hmm. um i will feel like that's some level of success not necessarily financially but of course um that's that's one of the goals as well yeah. but that means that means that the masses of people understand what it is that I'm trying to communicate, okay. and they get it too. That's why they support and wearing it. Mm-hmm. So if I become the hood Nike, that means I'm succeeding in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I like man, because you you one person that you got your clothing brand and stuff, and you you represent it everywhere you go. Yeah. Every time I see on social media, it's on everything, <laughs> man. So I like that, man. Yeah. So uh, we we're starting that and stuff, and, and do you have any like any mentor programs you're gonna have branching off from this? Is anything branching off from the clothing line, or just strictly clothing? Um. Well, as far as mentoring shit, I love to give everything I have away, man. It's, it's not my information. It belongs to us all. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, like, branching off, uh, in June 1st, I actually held an event. Um, it was called uh, From Man to Men, Where Do Black Men Go for Support? Mm-hmm. And it was basically uh, a get-together to talk about any and everything, um, whether it's stuff about your relationship, um, business ventures that you may have going on, or, you know, problems, or whatever it was. It was a space. It was a safe space mm-hmm. um, for, for us to fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, again, I plan on doing, like, um, fitness events um, with the kids and just everything um, encompassing black love and, and being powerful, whether that's eating right, yeah. working out, or you know, having these kind of discussions yeah. and just everything, yeah. And you do you feel you can get the black support? Because a lot of times, man, we say we want to support our own, yeah. but we still go ahead and buying the white man clothing, yeah. and we are, we are, we are go ahead and come together like we ain't wearing Gucci. It lasts for like yeah. thirty days, and yeah. you back rocking that. Yeah. See, see, what I tend to focus on is um, that I have been receiving support and. I'm going to continue to receive support. And again, the, the whole adage of that, you know, I want to focus on the ones that are doing and not spend time worrying about the ones who not. Because mm-hmm. there's there's people who have been supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that once more people are exposed to who I am and what I'm doing, we'll support it as well, too. Yeah. So, yeah. And then because like the whole um, Nipsey Hustle thing yeah. with his clothing brand, his shit went 
bananas in sales once he passed away. Yeah. How how do you feel about his whole his whole thing? Like I asked everybody that man. Yeah. Because to me, that's the closest thing we had to like when Tupac passed away. We was too young to really yeah. understand the hurting and the real effect it had on the people. Yeah. How did you feel about that whole situation with him, man? And how do you look at his situation as far as his his brand and how he tried to do everything, cut the middleman yeah. out, and just you know what I'm saying do it his own way. Yeah. I think my first encounter of Nipsey Hussle wasn't through music. It was through an interview um, he gave when I heard him talking about colonialism mm -hmm. um, and talking about Africa and, and talking about how, you know, black people in the hood basically need to come together yeah. um, to learn about our conditions and to do something about it. So mm -hmm. that's the first thing I heard from him, even before I heard any of his music. I didn't really start listening to his music until after he passed. Yeah. I was like, you know, like, let me give his brother a chance. Yeah. And then I started to, like, look into his life you know, and to see that he was doing. Mm. Uh, so again, I think that, again, that comes from exposure. Because, mm. you know, of course, they're not going to blast somebody like this out yeah. to the masses because, again, we are visual people and we see things, we, we are easily influenced by them. Mm. So once I began to, to, to study him, I was like, wow, you know, he was a deep brother. You know, he was about black self-determination. He was about um, being in control um, of his own affairs. Mm. Um, and I feel that contributed in some ways, to his death. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was very, it was a tragic situation, but I yeah. think in his death, um, he brought life to a lot of people because just like I said, I began to uh, seek him out and, and study him and I learned stuff from him. Mm -hmm. So in death, I think he gave life to a lot of people. Yeah, because like, whenever we have like those black, those black leaders that become too big, yeah. <clears throat> they wind up, you know what I'm saying, <clears throat> getting murdered and this is a conversation age. me and one of my partners having yesterday about the idea of not having one big leader mm -hmm. everybody assuming the responsibility sure. of leadership themselves yeah. um and we all are leaders in our own ways mm -hmm. we just have to assume the responsibility um so yeah i think if we can get out of that mode of waiting for somebody to yeah. to tell us what to do and you know, just pick up your shovel and start digging. So. That, that's true, man. Because even me with the coaching thing, I got young young girls and I got young boys, and I talk to them all the time. It's not just about basketball with me. Like some exactly. practices, we might have a thirty minute talk about stuff, like, especially with the girls. Mm -hmm. I got seventh, eighth grade girls, so I'm telling them what they're about to encounter once they get to the next level in high school. Yeah. How right now you a young freshman, well about to be a freshman, but you are gonna have these grown seniors. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying they know they can get to you. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not dating no eighteen. You saying that now, but yeah. you getting that door. It's gonna be a whole different thing. Yeah. So like you say, we gotta be leaders of our own. Yeah. I, that's what I try to do, man. Even if it's four or five kids, I can go ahead and change. I know I did something, you know, say on this earth before yeah. I leave. Yeah. See, I think that the first revolution is gonna start in our minds, and once that takes place, then I think we in the right direction. And I think that's happening, man. When we can see, like, when we look out into social media and, and see like these conversations taking place, and mm -hmm. we see the awakening of people. Another thing I, I, I attribute to that and think is, is Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump contributes to the awakening of, of black people too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So uh, as far as Donald Trump, man, the whole 2020 election coming on, first, do you vote? Uh, do, you believe, do you believe your vote count? I believe that my vote would count if I voted in a block. I believe if my community all came, came together and sat down and decided collectively who we're going to vote for, then my vote would matter in that way. But I think when I just individually go blindly vote and keep my vote secret, <laughs> that not don't matter as much. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the way I look at it. Like I said, since him being on him being the president we should come together and start doing things on our own because we see 
if somebody like this can become president, this this whole American shit is a joke anyway. But, but the thing that I say is that the only thing I think that separates Donald Trump from a Barack Obama is that, like Michael Mack said this, one bites you with a smile, the other bites you with a growl. At the end of the day, your ass still get bit. <laughs> so I think we have to pay attention to that and, and not get caught up in what the media does with this anti-Trump shit. The media is anti-Trump, anti-Trump, anti-Trump. But what I think we as black people, we need to be anti-colonialism uh, or anti the things that affect our daily lives, like, you know, poor food in our communities or uh, brutality from the police or, mm-hmm. you know, just impoverished conditions or no no chances for economic development. Mm-hmm. These are real life things that are affecting us. And I'm not fucking Donald Trump <laughs> or no shit like that, man. And then, that's funny because I remember uh, some else, some else Charles had told me, man, we was uh, a member hanging with him one time, man. Um, I work work midnights and stuff, so I was you know working out with him. I never work out with him again because I was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I went to a store and the corner store, and I got a whole bunch of junk food. And he was like, "Man, you see how in the hood we got two for a dollar snacks, yeah. this, that, and the third. And when you go to like these suburban stores, they have none of that stuff around. Oh, yeah, yeah. So and like like I was talking to this doing my job. Those stores are meant to destroy us. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And meant to mess up mess mess up our health because I find myself. This past week, my uh, my fiance been doing the keto. Mm-hmm. So of course, I'm trying to support her because I know I can only support by kind of helping her and not bringing dominoes and yeah. stuff like that. But it's hard to it's hard to start off, man. It's yeah. hard to start that off and and put away that bullshit oh, yeah. you've been eating and stuff yeah. like that. And I think that's where conditioning comes. That's why we had to be conditioned mm-hmm. because you have to make these people the way that we need them to be, and we have to give them these type of foods, low vibrational types of food that don't even really work mm-hmm. to the full benefit. You know, just like I said, nothing that's happening is on accident. Mm-hmm. Everything has been thought about and planned. That's why you can go to any hood and any state <laughs> and the shit look the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's so, so cheap because I'm like, man, it's so easy to yeah, eat yeah. because... You can get you a, go to a dollar menu and have dinner. Yeah. Right there. And then they know that we have to try to make our money stretch. Yeah. So we have to make these kind of decisions. Yeah. Again, all that shit is not on accident. So again, if we could come together and decide, like, you know what? You got a little bit of land over there. How about we come together and donate some time so we can plant a farm over here? Mm-hmm. Or we can start doing things that are going to make our lives easier and more healthy. Yeah. Instead of just, like, a, again, we struggle in isolation, feeling like, it's just some shit. I got to figure it out. You know, opposed to saying, like, this is a community issue, so let's solve it as a community as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. That's, that's for real. So with the whole black love and stuff, I know you uh, you have a kind of new to his fatherhood thing. Yes. How old is your daughter? How old is she? Yeah. Uh, she'll be 11 months. 11 months. Uh, yeah. Okay, and, um, and um, with, you, with you being a father now, has that changed anything uh, as far as, like, the way your way of thinking or trying to make sure she come up? Uh, I guess... It, it gives me more of a responsibility feel because mm-hmm. um, I think about like me now understanding the way in which this world is mm-hmm. like I have to give my daughter the tools in which she'd be able to navigate it and also to be able to do something about it as well. Mm-hmm. So I have a responsibility to her to continue to grow and develop into the best version of myself so I can be the best teacher um, to her. So in the sense of having a child has brought that to me, um, but it hasn't changed the way um, that I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, is, is that scary, man? I got two boys. Is it scary knowing that you have a young queen you raised? Um, again, I don't look at it as being scary. Um, you know, I'm walking. I know a lot of people, not to yeah, cut you off, but no. a lot of people say, oh, man, 
I got a daughter. She about to, she turned thirteen. No, she, see, she's about to get real. See, that means to me that I have a, a responsibility to the young men that are in my community as well. That my daughter is gonna encounter. I can't just re- try to raise my daughter up a certain kind of way and then send her to the wolves yeah. and be like, I hope she survives. Yeah. No, I gotta be there with them too, educating yeah. them too, and letting exactly. them know um, that if you around my daughter, <laughs> this is how shit gonna go down. Yeah, for uh, sure. But even just being in the community, giving the young boys an example so they don't grow into like these things that we quote unquote are afraid of. Yeah, and it was it's crazy because I was at work, man, and um. I seen a Killer Mike interview with the Breakfast Club, and he was mm-hmm. talking about how other ethnicities, other religions, they are scorned upon if you date outside yeah. of their race. Yeah. But as black men, whenever we get a couple of dollars in our pocket, yeah. we usually turn to you know, yeah, not white women, yeah. whatever outside of our race. Yeah. And how I was talking to this Arab dude, if he bring if a, if his sister bring home a black guy. And they're kind of going to get just distance themselves from yeah, her. Yeah. And I was talking to other races. How do you feel like having a daughter? She, like, would you, would you kind of like have her, um, bring her up like saying, okay, you need to stick in our race or I'll, again, or I think you- I think once my daughter, um, has an I- idea and knowledge of who she is, everything else is going to fall into place. Sure, and yeah. also too, I think what's important that I learned is that um, we as black people, we have to to date for political reasons as well too Mm. we have to maintain our families for political reasons as well too so we have to change the reasons why we're getting together too yeah Uh, so i think that's important too. redefine our relationship okay now speaking of your relationship i'm I'm quite sure you're with the mother yeah how is that do you like is your you you guys right now girlfriend boyfriend uh married um right now i believe in marriage right now um i consider us partners Mm -hmm. um in a sense of, do I believe in marriage? I, I do believe in lifelong commitment mm-hmm. um, in that sense. Um, as far as like being legally married, I'm not opposed to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that there's some value in being legally married, okay. uh, but I don't think that necessarily defines uh, my relationship. All right, so with relationships, man, like would you um, be in a relationship? I don't know how long you guys was has, has been together. Do you find yourself like, I know with me, I, um, I've been in like three major relationships, mm-hmm. and I know with the first two, it really wasn't, I'm not going to say it was bad, it, it, it taught me something for the relationship I'm in now, Yeah. but as a woman, do you think a woman can change you for the better? Because I say that because the the girl I'm with right now, we we engaged, yeah. and I felt like being since being with her, it kind of encouraged me to go out and do things and, and be a better version of myself, Yeah. because I, I believe she expect more from me, because I see her, she is... You know what I'm saying? Spend her last dime to make sure the bills are paid, this, and the third. So I'm like, you know what I'm saying? We got to, you know what I'm saying? You need somebody that's going to match your, your your hustle and your drive. Yeah. And I think, too, um, it's important to have a woman that inspires you. Um, again, to that type, like how you said, to become the best version of yourself mm-hmm. because that's going to benefit everybody. That's going to benefit the entire family if you're operating at your fullest potential. Yeah. And to have a woman that understands that and is pushing you towards that is yeah. a beautiful thing. I'm right, man. I just. <laughs> coming home I'm, I'm trying to stay out as long as i yeah. can but now i'm like damn i'm trying to get back to the crib with the yeah. fam and stuff and like even with my oldest son um both my kids has two different moms mm-hmm. but with that relationship it was so much arguing going on and he's seeing that stuff and he's thinking that it's okay yeah because uh i know a gentleman who just you know got to some situations with his wife and and stuff like that and it's just it's the stuff that you see just like how we say being being brought up yeah. and being disciplined and stuff like that if you see your dad arguing with your mom or beating on your mom you kind of get that 
yeah. know what I'm saying, and think that's how you're supposed to treat a woman. Yeah. And like with that, with now, like if me and my my fiance have a disagreement, hey, we don't need to be yelling like this. We could talk about some stuff instead yeah. of going crazy, yelling at each other, cussing each other out, and then my son thinking that's cool when he get yeah. you know, older, he doing the same thing that yeah. you know what I'm saying he see. Yeah. And definitely, I think it comes with maturity mm -hmm. um, and understanding, like. No, this is not your enemy, you know. Mm -hmm. This is your partner and somebody who you should be able to have a rational discussion with even during disagreements. Yeah, 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 um, for sure. Because y'all not going to agree on everything. Exactly, yeah. So, okay, man. So, um, we're going to get out of there a little bit, man. Okay. I got this segment I call Top 3, man. Okay. So, right now, I know you you seem like a brother to read books. Give us some knowledge on Top 3 books we should be out checking out. Ah, uh, man. It's okay. off the, off the, off the dome. <laughs> okay, I would say the Top 3 books that I feel impacted my life one was to be um nutricide mm -hmm. um the nutritional destruction of the black race i think it's by layla africa mm -hmm. um that was a, a really impactful book in my life okay. um another book um was um the destruction of black civilization um that came from uh chancellor williams um and another book um that i would say that really impacted me um, was Christianity Before Christ. And I think that came from, um, I can't think of the author of that book. Mm. And They Came Before Columbus was another one, but I, I threw you four, I guess. All right, uh, top three foods. Uh, top three foods um, that are good for you or good to you? Just either one. <laughs> I think, I think, for me, I think tacos would be like my, my number one food. Yeah. Um, after tacos, it would probably be... Um, some type of pasta, mm -hmm. um, and after pasta, it will be some type of fried fish. Okay. Top three football players? Of all time, yeah. uh, Deion Sanders, mm -hmm. um, Barry Sanders, uh, and Rod Woodson. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. My, Michael Vick, I'll be in that place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, top three basketball players? Of all time, top three basketball players. Shaq will have to be... Well... Strictly basketball, Shaquille O'Neal. Not considering Shaq's uh, life, yeah. just basketball, Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. Um, LeBron James, of course. Mm. Um, and the last basketball player um, that I really like, we have to put in that list, uh, would be probably Kobe Bryant. Disrespect. Michael <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> All right. Uh, top three movies. Uh, top three movies. Uh, Waterboy is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Face Off was another one. Mm -hmm. um, and the last movie, man. Don't judge me, man. The Notebook, man. <laughs> hey, that was a straight movie, though. <laughs> hey, my, girl, my girl's name was Boo Boo. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm straight. <laughs> All right, top, uh, top three rappers. Uh, top three rappers. Um, man. You know, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm not a real rap dude. It could be, it could be uh, anything. Top three uh, artists. Okay. Uh, top three artists. Of course, Michael Jackson mm -hmm. um, will be one of them. Um, um, what about groups? Can I throw a group yeah, in there? The Dramatics would be another group. Okay. Um, and the last artist... Um, would be Prince, Prince, oh. Michael Jackson, and the Dramatics. That's, that's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. All right, now this this is one thing I just thought about, man. Uh, you know, off the dome, I'm a freestyle dude yeah. like this. Uh, album of your life coming up. Album of your life right now. Album of my life coming up. 
Um, like something that kind of like just, just my childhood. Yeah, something like, just remind you of your childhood. Every time you hear it, it you just think back to that. Ah oh, man, you know, ironically enough, I really blocked a lot of that stuff out. I have <laughs> an album that reminds me of my transitioning. Okay. Um, and that would be um, Sakala. Mm-hmm. Um, and the album is it um, the Thieves Banquets? I think that may be the name of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but that album is an album that I that I, every time I hear it, I think about a time period in my life, and I don't think there's any other album that does that for me. Right? You know, you know what's funny? The album that kind of like uh, for me that kind of changed me as crazy as it sounds is Juvenile Four Hundred Degrees. Yeah. Now the reason why I say it because first off, that's the first CD I bought with my own money. Yeah. That's when I first. Met Charles and Charles put me up on Cash Money. Yeah, and just feel like that was like the I, I transitioned a little bit from I ain't gonna say maybe being kind of like a kid. Yeah, and and becoming like you know what I'm saying uh, a teenager. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that Charles was the person that helped me transition too. He the one who introduced me to Akala. Mm-hmm. Uh, he the one who got me to start reading books. It's interesting the story because um, Charles and I we didn't hang out in high school mm-hmm. um, it just happened, happened to see him at the gym like years after high school mm-hmm. and he, he commented and he said I, I see some of the stuff you putting on Facebook and it was kind of like he was agreeing with some of the stuff that I was putting it was just basically anti-Christianity stuff yeah cause y'all like the two <laughs> deepest people I follow on Facebook so <laughs> I take that as a compliment yeah. thank you yeah yeah uh, yeah so um, he gave me a book um, and he said you should read it but I had no intentions on reading it cause I wasn't really reading books at the time but yeah. I took it and my other homeboy had brought some girls over, and one of the girls stole a book. I was like, who steals a book? That's crazy. Uh, so I felt bad. He gave me another book, and the book he gave me was um, Black Athena. Mm-hmm. It was called by Mark Bernal. And it was a book basically saying that um, a lot of the stuff that's attributed to the ancient Greeks, like the fathers of math, science, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, they learned from Africans okay. in, in, in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it blew my mind, me, because I was really into Greek mythology. Okay. Uh, and to know that them out there on miles say that they learned from African teachers, it was mind-blowing to me. Like, well, why did I know this? So it really inspired me to want to learn more about history. So I thank Charles for opening up that, you know, that gate for me. Yeah, man, yeah. Charles, that's, that's my dog, man. Yeah. He, he, he put me up on a lot of game with a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. Okay, uh, back to the top three before we end it, man. Yeah. Top three... Oh, before we get off the Charles Sam, he told me that you lost his favorite tie, too. No, that is funny. <laughs> hey, I'm going to bring your tie, man. Hey, my girl just said that the other day. Uh, first time I put a tie on, I had Charles tie a tie already because yeah. I don't know how to tie a tie. Yeah. I was so used to clip ones. Um, I needed a tie for a Christmas uh, 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 dinner that my girl... Um, her job was having. Yeah. So I went over there. I, I tried to get a whole suit from him, but I'm, I'm like, you got a suit from, you know what I'm saying? I know you slimmed up a little bit. And uh, but he gave me a tie. Yeah, I'm going to bring your tie, man. I got your tie at the crib. I'm going to look for it in the closet. Yeah. I hope I got it. <laughs> All right, uh, top top three childhood crushes. Uh, Raven Simone, mm. Lisa Saray, mm. and Rudy. <laughs> I was actually able to meet her when I was uh, in Miami and took a picture with her. Yeah. I'm so mad I lost that damn Facebook page because I can't find it. But I, I got to meet Ruby. Man, Raven Simone was 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 because we was you know we all around the same age and yeah. stuff. Yeah, she I used to love her as a little kid on, on Cosby, hanging with Mr. Cooper. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, hey, what happened yeah. to you, right? Raven Simone and the Ocean Twins is two girls I like. Ocean Twins, I like Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, you, you eat mayonnaise sandwiches, don't no, you? I hate <laughs> I was a little kid. <laughs> I was four years old, man. Yeah. But no, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Topanga was cold. Yeah, yeah, keep taking that. I eat many sandwiches with yeah, Topanga. Yeah. She looked she look like no regular white woman. Though. No, she her was... and the girl from uh, from Blossom. You know what? Uh, six. Those are two 
white girls that was kind of you know on the black side. You know the one white girl that I had a crush on, uh, and, and the funniest thing I heard a comedian called her uh, Jennifer Love Huge Tits. <laughs> <laughs> man, but yeah, y'all can't dog me on the uh, on the Michelle man, because like I said, I was five. I yeah. like I liked her man. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. All right, man. This is this is a moment, man. Say me um, either high a high moment, drunk moment. Yeah. Now I started off so you can think about your story. Okay. I started with my drunk moment, man. Well, it was a combination of both. Yeah. Uh, shout out to my boy Reg. He was um he got into some trouble. He was gonna do a little couple of years stint in uh, mm -hmm. jail, or whatever. So um of course the weekend before you go to jail, we wanna have a good time. Yeah. So um uh, my mom smoked. So I don't smoke. Yeah. So my mom and my uncle they smoking, so I'm smoking with them. Uh, my mom don't drink liquor, so I got some uh, uh Moscato. Mm -hmm. So we drinking wine, smoking. My boy get there, he bring Hennessy. Yeah. We drinking Hennessy in the car, and we, you know pre gaming to the club. Yeah. Uh, we was going to. Kingdom. So uh, we pre-gaming to the club. I'm drinking. Then, for some reason, that turned to, um, you know, if you drink a, uh, if you smoke a Black and Mild, it kind of enhances your heart. Yeah. So weed, wine, Hennessy, Black and Mild. Yeah. Always before I walk to the door. So we go in, we in line. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of high. I'm yeah. messed. I'm drunk. I'm everything. So as I go inside the club, the only thing I see is heels and shoes because I can't look up. That's like, <laughs> like, yeah, damn. So as I'm going, as we walk through the club, I'm like, dog, I'm not even gonna have a good time. Yeah. So we in the um bathroom, and I hear my boy Reg and Weez like, dog, Rashad is messed up. Now my inside voice is like, you not that fucked up, dog. Get it right. Like, get it right. You can do this. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm having a conversation with myself. Yeah. Like, my head's still down. That's why it's down. I'm like, I can't do this shit. Like, nigga, get it right. All right. All right. So we walk around. You know, you do your laps around the club, yeah. see who in there, the girls and stuff. I still can't look up though. Next thing I know, we do two laps, and I'm like, I got to throw up. <laughs> so we right by the door. I walk out the club. I throw up. A little bit of throw up giving this girl shoes or something. She cussed me. I'm going to beat your ass. So I'm walk, I'm walk running <laughs> to the car. I'm, I'm, I'm calling my boy Red. He's like, man, I'm texting him. Come, come, come get me. Come outside. We got to go. His cell phone's in the back seat. <laughs> So I, I'm calling everybody. My little brother, like 14 at the time, I'm calling him. Like, dog, get my car. I'm thinking I'm calling him. Yeah. Get my car, pick me up. I think the whole time I guess I'm talking to my mom. I call my cousin in Houston. I'm calling everybody to save me. Yeah. Now you know the distance between St. Andrews and King High School. Yeah. It's a pretty long walk. Mm -hmm. I got about for some reason I got $400 in my pocket. Yeah. I'm walking through the King homes, all this stuff to get here. And I'm like, dog, this is crazy. I don't think I'm going to ever make it home. <laughs> I see I'm laying up against this bank, and my mom pulls up in her sunfire, and I'm like, dog, this is God. Yeah. I felt like it was God coming around the corner. I get home. I'm tripping all over the floor. I'm throwing up in the toilet. I took over my brother's bed, then wake up to 9 o'clock the next morning. My boy hit me up like, nigga, I was supposed to be like that. I'm going to jail Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like my high drunk moment that yeah. it was just the worst moment in my life, man. Yeah. You know, I... When you said something earlier, you, you said you, you had seen me out and yeah, I would yeah. always try to wrestle Oh, yeah. Him. I seen I used to see him at Plan B. Every time I seen him, he was on... I don't know if he was drinking some absolute, but <laughs> he was absolutely violent every time I seen him. So, anyway, when you said that, they made me think about this drunk moment that I'm actually not really proud of, but I'm, I'm going to explain it because, again, when you said that earlier, it made me think about it. Okay. So, I remember... Um, it was about eight of us, um, and we went to a club downtown. Uh, we used to party way too much. Mm -hmm. So we leaving the club, and, you know, we all drunk, but we ain't, like, sloppy drunk mm -hmm. or whatever. We just drunk, and then we see a guy passing out flyers in the street. Mm -hmm. 
So we get a flyer from him or whatever, and as we get one from him, we see a guy walk, like, kind of pull up in his car, hop out, and kind of, like, try to swing on the guy okay. who's passing out the flyers. And so he drunk, so he missed him. Um, so his boy got like, man, he drunk too. <laughs> and then, like, whatever. So we kind of walk away, and they pull up, and they hop out of the car again, and he try to swing on one of my boys. <laughs> and then so my boy, he, he ended up hitting him. Yeah. And then his brother, this actually Dante and Monte. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so Dante, him and his chain, he's like, hold my chain, man. I'm like, so I'm going to hold your chain while you fighting. So he run over there and he started fighting. And next thing you know, I drop his chain and like we fighting in the street. Yeah. So it's a big old brawl. We like fighting in the middle of the street. And like I'm fighting with somebody and I look up. It's like a crowd surrounding us, man. Yeah. And, like the police then came. And I was like, damn, I done blacked out in this fight and don't even, not even aware of my surroundings. Yeah. So to me, it was like, you know, like I really got to stop drinking the way, yeah, the way yeah. that I drink, man, to where like, because it's been so many moments where I just black out and I don't know what the hell going on. And then I just come to, I'm like, damn, like what the hell is this? You know? So yeah. So that's one of my drunk moments that you made me think about when you man. said I rushed. I was like, damn, we, we were fighting Rashad in the middle no. of the street. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Because you said you ran up on me. I said, damn, no, I remember when that was. Because I, I used to be down there passing out my terrible CDs because I was terrible back then. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm like, every time I see this dude, he is messed up. Yeah. Like, this dude is want to play, want to wrestle, want to punch. I'm yeah. like, yeah. let me not see this nigga when he's drunk, dog. Cause yeah. I, I, I think, man, oftentimes, like, we have stuff from drinking. I know, at least for me, man, it was a way to, like, not have to worry about nothing else, man. I would yeah. get messed up. Literally, like, Monday through Sunday, we was getting drunk in somebody's club chasing somebody's daughter, man. man. It was and like, it's funny, man, because those are... Like, I'm looking back at things like those, the moments we used to live for. I know on Monday, yeah. I couldn't wait. Wednesday, you got Wild Wednesday. Yeah. College night, Thursday. Yeah. We had the Drews on Friday. Yeah. Saturday, you hang with your girl. You don't take yeah. the time off. Sunday, you back in the club. Yeah. And that stuff that we used to just enjoy, man, just getting fucked up. And I, a lot of times, I look back like, damn, I could have been doing so much stuff yeah. instead of looking forward to going to a club, chasing the same girls that's there every weekend. That reminded me, like, this. my dad had played the song for me. I think it was made in the 70s. Um, and it said, Africa is burning, but Negroes here doing the freak. It was, <laughs> but it was basically talking about how, like, we just so concerned and consumed with just yeah. trying to have a good time because yeah, yeah. we're trying to fucking escape something, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Instead of, right, like, really looking at reality, like, it's shit that we could be actually be doing man, yeah. instead of going getting fucked up every night, you know? Because exactly. I used to, man, I'm embarrassed, but I used to be just satisfied with getting unemployment. Yeah, oh, I got yeah. unemployment for two years and didn't even go to school. Yeah, I'm looking back like those two years, I could have got some type of associate's degree, a yeah. trade, or something. I'm just getting my unemployment check. Yeah, going hanging out, buying Seagram Gin oh, yeah. 102. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smoking some popcorn Reggie or yeah. something, <laughs> and just getting messed up. I, I remember the first time I um first time I smoked. Yeah. Um, we was on our way to the club, St. Andrews, and it was like the best feeling in the world. Like, God damn, I'm high as hell yeah. and I'm drunk. Yeah. I go to the club. I never, like, I used to always go to the club sober, then drink, then smoke. Never talk to no girls. Yeah. Man, I came out of the club with like 15 numbers. Like, damn, this is what this dude is? <laughs> like, oh, this every week here. Yeah. I'm on. Yeah, I'm hiding stuff from, yep. from my girl at the time. I'm sitting here putting uh, 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 names in there. Carl's really, nigga, Chrissy. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta chill out, yeah. man. Like those, so I know you regret those moments a whole lot. Well, not no, necessarily regret, yeah. but just know you could have did a lot more. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that I could have uh, used my time uh, more valuable. But again, mm -hmm. that just uh, lets me know today 
that I have to use my time more valuable. Yeah. Um, but I learned from those lessons that I made to, to not spend my time doing all this or, you know, that this leads to that, you yeah. know. you know. So I, I take the lessons that I've learned and I, I try to apply them today. And then, like I said, I don't regret it, but... It's yeah, some good memories, man. Yeah. Some, oh, yeah, have fun. Laugh, yeah. Man. <laughs> have fun and then think about some of the stuff that I do. Like, man, that shit was crazy, man. And think, like, you did some crazy shit like that. You thought that was cool or whatever, man. Yeah. But it's learning tools, man, when we grow through it. And also, too, I think about those lessons to be able to pass on to my kids and be like, listen, this what happens when you do <laughs> yeah, shit like this. Exactly, you know, exactly, so. man. You plan on having any more kids or you? Uh, I would like to have one more. Try for, yeah. I know you want to try for that boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, I say I want, I want to have a girl now because I know if anything happened to me, she'd have two protectors, or, yeah. you know, two boys. Mm -hmm. So I, I would like to have a daughter, man, just to, I feel like, It'd be some, it'd be it'd be cool to have a raise a daughter the way a woman should be, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think my daughter gonna be a beast though, like cause she already <laughs> feisty, man. She gonna be a beast, so I'm looking forward to those moments as well too. Okay, man. And then as far as the brand, man, where can they go to um to, uh, to get some clothing? I gotta go get some for the for the for the winter, man. Give me a hoodie. All right, cool. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Day Soon True. Um, also, I have a, a Black Love is Power Facebook page. Um, it has a direct link to the website on there, which is www.blackloveispower.squarespace.com. Uh, www uh, you can also follow me on Instagram um, at black.love.is.power. Um, and yeah, DM me or click the links, and that's how you can find all the merchandise and everything that I got going on. So you gave me your Instagram and Facebook and everything? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. All right, cool, 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 man. Like I said, you can follow me on everything, man. Uh, podcast underscore Shad, uh, S-H-A-D-D, -D, 624, Facebook with Shad Sterling, man. One, one last thing. What, in a short sentence of this description, what would you tell your younger self right now? <clears throat> well... I would tell him that don't allow school uh, to develop you to fall out of love with learning. Um, take the time to self-teach and pick up some books and learn something because um, there's value. And I can't tell you how much I've learned um, in the last, uh, I would say, seven years just by self-studying. So self-studying and self-building um, is the key to everything. Okay, sure. On that note, man, until next time, man, shout out to everybody talking. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or your company are looking to jump into the podcast world, now is the time. The Plug Agency is here to connect you to the full power of podcasting. You just record and leave the rest to us. The people are listening and want to hear from you. Theplug-agency.com. That's theplug-agency.com. Click the link in the episode description for an exclusive offer. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.